Welcome to the Reformist Pipeline, your dose of empowerment and the pipeline to inform your decisions on how you, yes, you, can support change in our education system. This is, I mean, you already know, but <laughs> this is Lindsay, affectionately known as Miss Black. And y'all definitely know who this is, Hadi Had, Mr. Broussard, if you're feeling cool, calm and copacetic lens come on alliteration yes on alliteration all right now yes and so if you haven't already go ahead and take out your phone and follow us on instagram at the reformist pipeline and while that phone is out go ahead and send our page to someone that you think could benefit from this information our website is also live. Find us in all our content at thereformancepipeline.com. That's like the hub for all the information. And you already know from the last episode, but here's a reminder. We are on YouTube now, y'all. Some people really like just watching podcasts and hearing in the background playing YouTube from their computer phone or TV. Go ahead and do that, um, especially if you're someone who prefers to be on YouTube. And then, you know, send it to a friend or two. You can find us at The Reformist Pipeline. So let's go ahead and reestablish our objective. This is semester one of our two-part season. And we're actually in our second to last episode for the semester. We've been focusing on creating the ideal school and we'll be exploring different ways in which we reimagine what the ideal school looks like. But before we jump into that segment, let's go ahead and catch y'all up on us. Lens, what's been going on in your life, boo? My life, I went to Atlanta. Went to Atlanta. Hey, I had a, I had a hot man. girl. I had a hot girl weekend. Um, <laughs> yes. If you ain't if you ain't the close friends, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> sorry for you. That's all. That's all I can say about that. Um, I also we're not gonna do segments today because no, we have not. a guest. But I first want to say happy pride. Happy pride. Yes, happy pride. We're here and we're queer. <laughs> I love when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I say it because you love it. Um, happy pride. I I really, I'm, I, my brain is boiling for the, the content about the post for the month of June. But I said something about not having the segments because I have one of the girls in one of my classes and um, I was, mess- he messaged me today and I said something to him. I'm like, Happy Pride. And honestly, as someone who is like an ally, I never, I always like have like a, not a hard time, but I don't feel like calling people out because they're queer. You know what I'm saying? But I also like want to acknowledge you because you're queer, because I think for some people it's empowering because it's like, hey, I'm myself. You know what I'm saying? So I just be I'd be like, okay, I don't, do I say it? Do I say it? I don't know. But I messaged him in the chat box. I was like, okay, and happy pride. (laughs) And he was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Happy pride. And then eventually he messaged me again. He's like, you know, I'm just super excited because I get to celebrate people and their sexualities and my birthday in the same month. And I was like, happy pride, little nugget. Oh, that is so adorable. That is so dope. It was a highlight. Oh my goodness. And see, the thing is, is like, so my job, <laughs> there's a lot of folks who fall amongst the spectrum that work at my lovely place of employment. And so <laughs> they definitely started off the June 1st with saying happy pride. And transparently, that was like the first time that someone has ever said it um, to me, I guess you could say. 
Um, so it's always just, to me, it's just interesting because I think that, you know, for, for the most part, I don't fall, I don't fold, I don't typically fold into some of the societal norms when it comes to some of the big outwardly open things. And I think primarily because of the way that I was socialized, I, I socialized, my, I, I just don't think that I ever considered myself to be a part of the originally when I was growing up, you know, like the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't until I matured that I started to realize like, oh, okay, like pride, I, I am it, it is a part of me. Um, and, and being able to, you know, be one with that and understand it. And so I appreciate it. But so all that's to say, happy pride, uh, <laughs> but super Yay. excited about what's going to be happening and what's going on with me. Um, I'm hopefully going to be flying out this weekend. You know, I've been doing a lot of traveling. Lately. Not hopefully in this Thursday night. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Right. I'm supposed to leave tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just have been super excited about all of the traveling that I have been doing. Um, as our advocates know, I celebrated my birthday last probably like two weeks ago at this point Mm -hmm. but um all that's to say I had an amazing time in New Orleans um the food was amazing the people were even more amazing the culture was even more amazing and just hearing different stories about like the the history of slavery um or the enslavement of African people um was just enlightening to me because I, I think that there's always more than one story and it, it was very valuable to hear it. And, and although slavery or like the enslavement of African-American people um, was something that happened down there, I think it's important to note that um, Louisiana was actually one of the places in which uh, folks who were enslaved were able to um, work their, buy their way out of slavery. And although it's like, mm-hmm. this is not me justifying it, but out of the, the country and the South and folks who were, um, and Black people who were enslaved, they had a different set of kind of rights um, mm-hmm. that were afforded to Black people in Louisiana compared to other Southern states. So to learn that portion of history, especially in the wake of the, uh, the, the, the massacre on Black Wall Street and all those different things, it just was extremely empowering to know um, that there's just so much history that we just really don't know about. And so that inspired me to buy this book. That, you know, What is going on here? We'll read eventually. <laughs> but the book is called How the Word is Passed by Clint Smith. We and are not being so, sponsored by Clint Smith, just by the not, way. We are not. But I'm <laughs> super excited to read it. Um, and, and just to kind of hear more, it's supposed to be talking about the, the different kind of untold facets of african-american history that mm-hmm. we know nothing about and so i'm super excited to kind of dive in but with that being said we're super excited to jump into this episode and let's do it advocates welcome back to our conversation about the ideal school Today, we have yet another leader of the DC community here with us to share their vision of the ideal school. We got Mr. B up in a building, virtual building though, virtual building. Mr. B is a black man, husband, and father who has years of various experience in the education field. 
He started off working at daycare with the baby babies. Can't do it. More power to you. Transitioned to being a behavior tech and then an art teacher. And today, he's going to be speaking through the lens of his current position as a dean of students at a charter school that serves his high school students in the D.C. area. In his job, Mr. Bree appreciates the fact that he is able to move about the school building and build relationships throughout. He particularly loves to see the smile on his students' faces, especially after he spent some time yawning on them because that is vital when you're teaching older kids. Mr. B is a DC native and believes that it is important for someone like him to be in his position because he wants to continue to keep the unique DC culture alive and can truly relate to his students as he used to be in their same positions. DC is also small, so there's like six degrees of separation between Mr. Mr. B and just about anyone his students may know or be related to. So he's grateful to have that in his back pocket as that allows him to have a greater impact on students. In his free time, Mr. B is an artist artist. Just about anything having to do with visual arts he can do, from drawing, to photography, to painting full out murals. And you know what? That takes a certain type of person, a creative. We are grateful to have him on the Reformist Pipeline. And I know personally, I am very grateful, always grateful to hear black male educators speak their truth and share a rare perspective as they make up such a small percentage of the educators across the nation. Heads up though, Mr. B is a father, as I mentioned before. So you might hear his cute little baby boy in the background. Don't be alarmed as educators are humans with lives too, okay? And with that, let's begin. Mr. B, we're so excited to have you here. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today to just really talk to us about what your ideal school looks like and all that good stuff. Um, we really are just excited to really just have you here today to, to just tell us more about like your experience growing up and all those good things. But more importantly, like, like I said before, we are so excited to have you here on the Reformers Pipeline podcast. You on mute. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom, I should know how to work this by now. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start us off with the first question. In uh, your ideal school, I want you to name one thing that you experienced in school that you wish uh, you saw more today or you heard more of today. Um, so one thing I experienced in school, it was school spirit. Like, it was like pride in school. So like, it was a real thing. I went to a few different high schools, but um, every school I remember, like people to this day, like even on my Facebook, they still calling themselves by the name of the school they going by. Like I went to uh, Northwestern High School for majority of my time, I think like two years. Um, and people still like calling themselves Wildcats. And in school it was a real, it was a real thing. Like everybody wanted to go Everybody wanted to rep their class. Like pep rallies was crazy. Homecoming was the most exciting thing that you could think of. Like it was nothing bigger than homecoming that whole year. Basketball season came, your team could be trash. The gym was packed. You felt the energy that whole day. You seen, you know, the basketball players dressing up in suits. And, you know, I play football. So it was like a real thing. Like football team hung together. It was, it was no games, you know? So, I mean, those things was just like, the school really had spirit, had pride in the school. Teachers made sure 
that, you know, those events were sacred. Um, people weren't really disrespecting the school. You know, it's always your outliers, but it wasn't really a big thing of being like extremely disrespectful to uh, to the people in the building. It was it was more of a, a healthy fear of a lot of, of the Yes, school. a healthy so. fear. Nobody said it like that. That's good. I'm going to use that. You know, nobody says school spirit. And that just, I would just was enlightened by that one because I used to play basketball too. And I get so excited now when like basketball season or football season comes up. And I want my, I want to go to my kids' games, but I'm like, dang, it's not the same energy as when I used to play, but okay, cool. Whew, that was a good one. Yeah. And, and I honestly, I, it's crazy lens. Cause I was thinking, I'm like, damn, like, you know, we coming up on our 10 year reunion, believe it or not. And <laughs> Bringing up old shit. I say that to say, like, I was watching this video of Dorian. Actually, we, we met him with Meech mm-hmm. and he just filmed his video for his 10, re, 10 year reunion. And just seeing like people like, I kind of like reflect about their high school experiences. I was just like, damn, like that's, that's amazing. And I think that I really thought more so about like my college experience and like how AU for the most part was kind of whack at sports, but you know, then I uh, landed at Howard and <laughs> it was just amazing. No, but all that's to say, I just think that school spirit is something that we have not heard. And I think it is something that we should truly value a lot more than we truly do. Yeah. Um, yeah, those, really those make the, those make the memories like those are the times that get burnt in your head like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like like i remember uh my ninth grade year we had a person um on the basketball team who ended up going to the nba and he was like a phenom mm-hmm. and it was like the most craziest i still remember the the song the band used to play in my head like Right when, because I went, we went to every game. It wasn't nothing else that you would rather be doing, but going to right. the game. You know, like even the people who barely came to school and hung outside. It was like the basketball game. You go, you go to this game because okay. this, this not something you're not gonna want to miss. You're gonna want to say, "I was at these games." But mm-hmm. and it's, you know, back then you wanted to be where the girls was at. So, <laughs> and that still don't change. Yeah, that's, <laughs> 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 yeah, so so Mr. B, as, as far as like something you, you know, you went through school many years of it, and, and and so like, what's something that you wish that you would have learned in a, a school type setting? Um, and, and more important, like, what does like your ideal school setting look like? Um, something that I wish I I could have learned. Um, I feel like. Uh, I want to say like how to how to properly advocate for yourself and and um yeah I think I think those those practical skills I miss like yeah it's a it's a it's a lot of things that that we learned that really has no use of just especially when we was in school I feel like it's it's changed a little bit uh, more recently that a lot a lot more practical things. They took, they've taken away a lot of practical things and a lot more practical things are being introduced, like kids taking literacy courses and things, financial literacy courses. Those wasn't things that I remember anything like that, but um, just how to advocate for yourself and how to, uh, how to develop some type of real wealth and, and really how to uh, create um, plans that are specific to you and not like get thrown into a mode or 
Because I feel like when I was in high school, it was easy to say you're you're this type of kid. I feel like now they give you a lot more leeway to figure out what type of kid you are. And they let you fail a lot, literally and figuratively. Now, <laughs> but back then it was like, you fail, you're this type of kid and you need to do this, this, and they're not gonna have too many conversations about college and stuff. They didn't have too many conversations about college if you wasn't on that track. I remember personally at my first high school, I never had a conversation about college, any extracurricular things, SGA or anything like that. It wasn't never pushed. I didn't even know most of them things existed. Um, I went to a different high school in a different part of the area and those things were introduced. But I still like, I never even found out about fraternities and sororities until I actually was in college. Like, I'm like, what is this? I had no idea what this stuff was. But yeah. no um, clue. I was lost in the sauce. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but but now it's so it's so prevalent, um, especially if you don't come from them type of families or don't come from them back type of backgrounds. Um, and, yeah. and I hate to say black community, but I think it's a real thing. We really not taught how to speak up for ourselves in our homes. Like it's really like a shut up. This is what you do, type thing. But um, those are those are real world uh, things that you can apply that really will propel you in life. Like if you just knew know how to talk to people respectfully and how to defend yourself respectfully, um, <laughs> you'll be able to to get far. Like even speaking to an advisor and just say, "I don't want to take that course when you get in college. That course is not for me." Yes. Um, but but we kind of are just we we kind of just take what we given, and I, I don't think those things are practical. I mean I don't think those things were taught to me in high school. I think that would have been really good for me and, and code switching. I never heard that until I became hmm. started working working in the um educational field. Maybe way later on. It's probably a new term to me. Probably like four or five years ago, and that didn't exist at all. And this is so so important. Even though we kind of learn how to do it on our own, but I learned so late in the game how to do that. And I kind of, in my mind, would take myself out of certain situations because I just thought I didn't speak well enough or I didn't present well enough. I'm like, I ain't going to even, I'm not even going to go over there because they're going to think yeah. I'm this type of type of person, which it might be true. It might be true, but you cut yourself off from so many opportunities because I mean, just because you you know raise a certain way, don't mean you shouldn't be afforded certain things. But we'll cut ourselves off from opportunities, just not knowing certain skills like code switching. So learn the code switch. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say advocating it and code switching. Those are some things that could have been put into a class. I don't know social studies class. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know health, mm-hmm. <laughs> mental health. <laughs> I don't know. Just in general, too, like Brittany has said something last when we interviewed her, she was like, because I asked her, like, how'd you know you could be an entrepreneur? She's like, I didn't. I wish that like somebody would have told me. I'm like, okay, well, what would the setup look like in school? She's like, well, literally just a teacher being like, wow, you are you're a self starter. You should be an entrepreneur, like something as simple as that. So Mm -hmm. just teachers talking about it for real. Um, That's true. I remember having um, I remember in math class we worked on a business class. This was in, this was my 11th grade year. I remember this distinctly. We worked on a business plan, but it was, it was like a statistics, a statistics class or something. So we, we worked on a business plan for, for what that would look like 
in five years, if you started off with this amount of money and how much money will you make? But that right there could have been life-changing if it was just put in a different context for a lot of people. Like, this is a real thing that you really can do, not this is an assignment, you know, so. Yes, making that connection. Yeah, that real-world connection. Speaking of assignments, you know, with assignments come grades. (laughs) Um, What, I want to hear about your grading system. And if you, like, was it A's and B's? Was it something different? And then do you think it was a fair representation of what you learned or your learning capacity? Um, so grading systems, this is growing up when I was in school. Uh, so grades was, was pretty much a, A's, B's, C's. It was the Regular. standard. Yeah, standard grading. Um, I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was fair. Um, I think teachers uh, had a lot more leniency. I mean, a lot more um, what's the word? They had a lot more autonomy to make decisions with grades than they do now. I think back in the day it was what I say is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think work was. Hmm, how can I say? I'm going to say this. I didn't think I was very bright when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Based on what my grades were. Mm-hmm. I went to, like I said, I went to a few different schools and I performed very different in every school I went to. Hmm. So every school that I went to, my grades looked vastly different. Hmm. <laughs> so my last year of school, I had straight A's and one B. My senior year, completely aced aced everything and it was right. at a school that would have uh, been considered to be a harder a higher performance school than I was initially at mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know I can't say what what the difference was I just feel like it, it could have been me the entire time I got away from people I was familiar with and I mm-hmm. maybe I hunkered down or it could have just been you know teachers weren't teaching you know teaching to my style of learning. Yep, that's whatever. Whatever it was, I did great. I went from horrible to okay to great. (laughs) The journey on up and up. (laughs) Yeah, it was was always up, but definitely, and and I've learned things about myself uh, even after college, like, um, you know, what what things motivate me and drive me and, and what makes me really, really tick that I, mm-hmm. I couldn't put a finger on before. Like I just used to think like, oh my God, I hate school. I can't do this, but it really, you know, I had to learn myself. So I used to pray to, to get to know who, myself and I think I'm almost there. I'm still not completely dead, but I know I know different things about myself. Yeah. That, um, if I would have known in, in high school and in college, I probably will be vastly and far more successful than I am now. So, but it he's like that. Absolutely, absolutely. So <laughs> all, it's all a part of the journey. And I think that like that great story that you were telling is definitely very true. Uh, just as far as like us being in a space in which we are able to understand like what these letters even mean, because 
you get an A, you get a B, you get a C, you get a D, but what does that actually mean about who you are as a person? And we don't know what that, like, we just know that our parents want X or we were told that this is the standard, but like, how do you connect with that? And so I think that's, you hit it home where you're talking about the, just the grades and trying to figure out like, just trying to find yourself. But on that note, I feel like you kind of teed up the next question is, is like, how do you kind of feel as if, based off of those schools that you went to, like what was your preferred learning style out of all the schools that you went to? And I, I appreciate the fact that you went to multiple schools. I feel like you could speak to this from a different lens and a different perspective. Um, I'm sorry. Now, we know we love the kids. That's we okay. He kids. is so cute. By he the way. is so cute. Thank you. He's a lot. He minded his business. Um, one more time with that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. No, so like, I guess we just really want to know what is he is too cute. What what's your preferred learning style, and like, how do you think that by you going to multiple different school settings and school types, like, do you feel like that kind of helped you figure out what your preferred learning style was, or do you feel like it was more challenging? What, what was that experience like? No, so so um, I really learned what my learning style was as a as an adult out of school. But I, I need to see things done. If I could see it, and I could see it done one time, I am good. But I have to see it. Like you can't tell me. I don't need my attention span not even long enough to hear people talk about something. <laughs> like telling me about like this is how we get somewhere. Nah, I need to see a map. Like it's not. It's, yeah. I'm a definitely a very visual learner, and, and um, a trial and error learner. Like, um, yeah, those things work for me. Like, just talking about it, giving me examples, and kind of guiding me through something doesn't work. If I can watch you do a problem and really sit there and really watch you, I'm going to get it. But yeah, I'm a visual learner. So seeing things yeah. spelled out for me, biggest day is is the easiest part. Uh, it's the, the best way for me to learn. But um, yeah, that that's what I, that's what I found out, you know, growing up. I mean, not growing up, but as I was already an adult, um, just, is self-teaching my things, self-teaching myself a lot of things. Um, I, I learned that, like, there's certain things that I wanted to know that I couldn't go to school for. It wasn't practical for me to go to school for. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just, I learned it. I tried to err, get on YouTube, watch someone literally do it. And then it's like, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's not hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's Stuff not start hard. to click. Yeah, that's not hard at all. But that's why I think I think being a visual learner, a lot of a lot of school when when I was in school, high school, everything was real lecture like like they stand at the front, they tell you how you Talk do things, and then they ask someone to come up and show us how to do it. They may get it wrong, they may get it right. I might have checked out by then, not even paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> And I like I like things to be kind of fast paced, like like 
If we're gonna get to it, let's skip the formalities. Let's do do what we're gonna do and now mm-hmm. ask the questions. Like a lot of talking will will really like Zoom has been a struggle for these Zoom meetings at work. Who are you telling? Oh my god. Oh my god. My I crystal get in trouble did- for, for not being on camera. I, I'm I was camera just like about this. to say that. Exactly. My this principal is- will be sending, you know, the anonymous messages talking about, can turn, make sure your cameras are on. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm on there <laughs> like this. Oh, you annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you annoying. <laughs> I'm like the kid. <laughs> Me too. Kids but that's real though. That is so real. And it's, you know, as quiet as kept, like even in like outside of a school setting, people are still like, Folks are still telling people like, oh, like it'll be at an all staff. They're like, oh, it'll be really helpful if you can turn your cameras on right now. And I'm like, no, like, like that's not helping you. That's my face. That's my face. <laughs> <laughs> this, 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 my, this, my, this my secret, secret weapon for the first two months of school. Oh, you smart. I'm mad late. <laughs> my secret, my secret uh, weapon for the first two months of school. I love that. I, I really do love that. For real, though. That's what it's about. This, this until, they fig- until they figured it out. And then <laughs> I did <laughs> My gosh. Oh my okay. Let me, let me get us back because. Yes. Okay. Yes. You are a dean of students. You've been to behavior tech. You have experience with all the grades, which is, which is crazy. How would you respond in your ideal school, right? The school that you're envisioning. How would you respond to negative behaviors? And then how do you promote positive behaviors? What does those systems look like? I mean, it's, 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 two, it's two ways to respond to negative behavior. Oh, it's two steps, three steps, actually, right? So uh, I have, I have a, a, a saying. I don't know where I got it from. I'm sure I stole it from somewhere. But it works. So before you can have any negative interactions with a scholar, you must first make deposits. You must think of them like a bank. You gotta mm-hmm. make deposits. I got. I gotta put pull something in before I could take anything away. If, if you sub, if you withdraw from a, a bank account with no money in it, we, we're going in the negative, and that check gonna bounce, and then you're in trouble. So I mean, before we even get to what a negative behavior look like for any scholar. We gotta make the deposits early in the year. Good job. While we still got that representative for that kid, that that part of that that first two weeks of their kid before they let loose on us and let us know what's up. You gotta make deposits. You gotta have that non-contingent praise and that man. You look nice today, brother. What's your name? Yes. How your mother doing? That you have to do all the things that could mean nothing in the beginning very 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 early on you know it was like it's, it's it was kind of like one and done like we say I, what i say i mean and nowadays i feel like i i'm the type of i'm that i am that way but you know you get on a team of other people and it's like there's so much leniency and it's not that I don't want to meet somebody where they're at because i'm very flexible if you know we're having a conversation about it but it's just like it's so it's so much so much room. Yeah, certain things it should be a bottom line for for anything that goes on, but it's not like that no more. Um, everybody everybody's bringing their own their own baggage to these situations, and it's really a disservice. I, I feel like it's a disservice of the things that's going on now. But um, but I've learned 
that if you have a, a relationship with a, with a young person, um, there are things you could do that's that's works more than than consequencing them. Like you create your own consequences for them. Like yes, that disappointment conversation is a real thing. Like okay, you can really, really, really impact the kid. Even kids that you don't even think would care about what you think about them or how you feel about them. You know, and you got to be careful with it because it can also. Uh, I'm sorry. Once again, he's 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 on one right now. <laughs> but you can also, you know, completely destroy a relationship. A kid can tap out on you. So that that comes to my other part. Uh, after you make those what? deposits, before you make that withdrawal, you also got to really try to get to know a scholar and what their triggers are, what their background is like, to the best of their ability. Because that's going to determine, you know, what, okay. what what works and what don't works for them. Yeah, they want. I mean, you you don't, you don't never want to give kids a, a way out. And suspension has been abused in certain aspects. So, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a double edged sword. Um, I think that I think that this might this gonna go this gonna go left. But I think that um, holding holding parents accountable and making parents uh be more involved, you know, in the in the consequence process. Yes. Creates a creates a different dynamic for when consequences are implemented. But a yep. lot of times, parents opt their kids out of, of consequences. So even out of suspension, like if they're suspended and it's not reinforced at home, they're not suspended. They they're just can't suspended. come. In the, they just can't come in the building. They, they ain't suspended. <laughs> I remember when I got suspended. I had to go to my grandma's house and sit in the living room and, and, and do work all day. I was suspended. From everything. Okay, yes. Football, from anything fun. Now mm-hmm. it's like they outside uh waiting for the kids to come out. Exactly. They you on know. campus. <laughs> so, Talk about not in trouble. So I mean, I just feel like making those relationships, making real relationships, um, and being firm, being firm and having everybody on the same page. If if you can get majority of the school. You're never going to get all of the school, but if you can get majority of the staff to just agree on what the line is and don't budge, you know. Mm, that part, yep. Thing, things things are going to happen, but I've seen it happen. I've, I definitely have seen it in full effect with some with some rowdy, rowdy middle schoolers. <laughs> I've seen it happen, but it, it doesn't happen often. It yeah. doesn't happen often, so... Yeah, and, and I'm curious to know, like, so what do you think, like, what does support look like for you as a student in an ideal school? Like, thinking back to, like, your development and your trajectory as a student, like, what is that support? Like, what is that? What was your best teacher like um, in, in meeting you where you were at? Mm. Um, My best teacher, uh, you know, I forgot most of my teachers. So if I remember them, they was pretty good. But I did have an English teacher who, and I would probably say she's my best teacher because she probably just actually had conversations with us. Like, this regular conversations. And she was kind of funny. And she was funny looking. So it was kind of Well, like, damn. <laughs> her face is like burnt in my head because I was like, this is a wild looking lady. But she was funny and she was cool. 
and I like enjoyed coming to that class. It wasn't no stress coming to that class, even though mm. it was a rigorous class. It was like, if I don't get it, I'm going to get it. Yes. You know, you yes. know. So I remember that class. Um, I remember, and it wasn't a big class. I, I think it probably was like 12, 15 kids. Was that was a small class when we was 15? Yeah. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that that was a small class. I remember most classes was like 30 kids in the class. Uh, it was okay. crazy. <laughs> crazy when we when I was in school, but I remember it being in the temp. We were outside. It was just a relaxed environment. That, that, I think that was, that's the biggest thing. Like anything that I didn't know, it wasn't the end of the world for not knowing. Mm, see, that's and, the energy I want to give to my students too. Like you, she got me. Like it was like, oh, you know, I got you. I'll be over there in a minute and we can sit and talk. It wasn't really a whole bunch of crazy kids so we can actually have conversations. That didn't all, always have to be about what we was talking about. And if it branched off, it wasn't a big deal. The class was real relaxed. And yeah, that was a great class. In my ninth grade class, we read um, Romeo and Juliet. And I liked the teacher. He was a, a, a white dude from California. Wes, that's where we from. Hey. <laughs> and he was very close to our age. And he was like... Hmm. Like he was a young dude. I remember him being fresh out of college. I remember him saying, like, I'm only gonna teach for a couple of years. <laughs> I remember okay. this conversation. We read Romeo and Juliet and he related everything, like everything was relatable. And I like really remember that whole process, like reading it, even though I was reading it like, what is this? <laughs> but it was, it was, it was a great, uh, it was a great experience with him too. It was a chill class. I like real relaxed environments. Like if it's somewhere I could just relax and it was dark too. I remember that class always being dark. He never really had the lights on. It was like chill, but I don't know why they, those two stick out to me, but those two teachers stick out to me. Well, it sounds like you could, it was relaxed and it was a safe space to be yourself. And you knew that you were reassured that what, whoever you stepped into that classroom as they were going to be responsive to. Right, right. They both was English classes too. I just thought about it. Huh. Well, I teach math, so I'm biased. Uh, but anyways. <laughs> you mentioned something specifically earlier that I kind of wanted you to like chime back in on. But you said something about like parents being cued into like the consequences like within the school. Um, if you want to touch more on that, that would be great because I was intrigued by that. Um, or just generally how parents are supported by the school or how uh, ideally what the parent and school relationship would look like? Um, so I can speak on what I think, I, or what I believe I see now, right? So right now I feel like um, parents, I'm not even gonna say parents, informed parents have uh, an unfair uh, influence over the school. Um, so yes. they, 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 it's kind of like, they do like a, a flex on the school whenever they want something to happen. And the school is not doing genuine things to support the kids. It's more of a reaction not to get in trouble because everything is so punitive and reaction based when they come to parents, it's like, we don't want to upset parents that may 
have a connection to the school board or, or may write a letter or, or may be cued in with the community and, and can make us lose scholars. You know, like um, very, very smart and savvy parents get, uh, uh, their kids get an immunity. Like I, I, it, it becomes, it becomes almost like, like a very toxic relationship. And this is what I've seen a lot. Like parents who are very sav savvy and connected are pretty much able to, you know, boss schools around or influence the schools to, to change policies and to do things outside of what the school was intended for, just mm -hmm. to serve, just to serve their kid in the moment. Um, instead of, and there's a lot of laws in place, or I don't know if it's laws, there's a lot of policies in place that relinquishes responsibilities to parents to be more involved and to be more responsible. I know at one point uh, when I first got into the education field, you could require parents to, to return with their kids when they were out for suspension, or you mm -hmm. could ask them to come sit in the classroom with their scholar. Um, now you can't ask these things. You can't even, you can't even, if they, and, and I get it that there's so much going on with families, right? I get it that mm -hmm. there's so much going on with families, but the bigger implications is these children uh, ha have a, a have a have a level of accountability and a level of stakeholders that are not involved in you know serious matters when it don't convenience the parent or when yeah, it don't yeah. convenience the guardian, um, and then they're able to make to make uh, opinions and decisions and uh, inputs, you know, on the back end. When, when like, like a scholar not, like a parent not attending the IEP meeting for the fifth time. Like that, that doesn't make sense mm. to me. Like, nah. it doesn't, like that doesn't make sense reasons. And then once the IEP team says, all right, we're going to just move forward and give them this because the parent, they get their lawyers and advocates involved in. Hmm. These things become like it does. It does. These things create. These things create uh, unsafe environments for for people mentally, you for know. Sure. Um, and it just creates kids that grow up and become monsters. Like I, I don't want to call them that as children because that's the beautiful part about being children. They got a lot of time to to choose where they want to go. But we can set them up to, you know, we can set them up for a few paths that that can eventually become unavoidable. Yeah, right? yeah. So I just, I just think parents need to be parents. It needs to be a real level of accountability. I thought Kip had that. That's what I always hear about Kip. <laughs> that, that, that the parents no. gotta come on the summer, the weekend, volunteer to read. Like what Kip has is exactly what you said about informed parents um, being the ones that prosper the most, and they also have they they just enable they also enable parents, and it's obviously not all of them. I don't want to speak for every parent, but you know they enable parents to not do certain things. Like I have a, a kid; she has an IEP. The mom is mad because she's like, like y'all not meeting her needs, but she don't come to classes. She doesn't mm. come on the Zoom and you're telling me that you're at home with her. And then I'm hearing through another teacher that you're now telling her that she don't got to go to this class because 
you got beef with me, made up beef with me, so she don't have to come to the class. But that's not, it's, it's, it's detrimental, it's but wicked. she's still being placated. It's, as a it's, it's a, it's a wicked way of thinking. Like, how can, how can we, how can we teach your kid? How can we make your kid whole? When you, the most important part, can't, you know, can't give 30 to 40 minutes out of your day to just support your child. Even if you don't agree with what the teacher's saying, that teacher has to interact with your kid. A lot of times people stop caring when they realize parents don't care. And a lot of times people accommodate parents and students that they know is going to press the issue. So those two kids on both ends of the spectrum uh, create a lot of issues and create a, and create a lot of uh, opportunities for people who don't know what happens in the school to change things that adversely affects the kids in the middle. Yep. If that yep. makes sense. I, I hope that makes sense. I want, I, we like, hear you. You are right, heard all right, here. All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Is because I could give you a million scenarios. I'm gonna give you the biggest. I'm gonna give you the biggest one that sticks out to me. This is when I worked in middle school. I worked in the middle school in Northeast. I'm not gonna say the name of the kid, family, none of that. But we had a kid, right? This kid was had an IP, had a 504, but he was crazy aggressive. Mm. Crazy aggressive. Clearly, um wasn't uh this gonna sound bad i don't know who's gonna see this clearly wasn't the brightest kid that you would ever meet um mm -hmm. definitely was physically aggressive towards staff other kids especially young ladies mm. um the parent blamed everything on the school Ooh, the parent okay. was also an educator too the parent was Shut also up. But she blamed everything on the school. It's the school fault. You know, sometimes educators, when they be the worst ones to, to deal with when you have meetings when people are feel like they know the inside scoop and they know. Uh -huh. So look, she blamed everything on the parent, right? I mean, she blamed everything on the school. It was always the school. Um, I had a physical uh, interaction with the young man. Um, this is when I learned, and I learned a lot of things on the go. I learned uh, mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't keep kids from, from leaving out of the space. I was very young, probably was like 2013. I learned you can't keep kids from leaving out of the space. So I stood by the door. I'm like, oh, oh, oh sit down. Mm -hmm. he, he tried to push through me. He couldn't. But <laughs> of course not. <laughs> he tried to push through me. He couldn't. When I, when I seen it going, you know, all the way left, I let the young man go. Like, go ahead, man. I ain't going to. Mm -hmm. I actually got in trouble for, for, for standing in his way, right? Even though he was elevated, you know? And I learned earlier if I would have had the right verbiage, if I would have said the right thing, I would have never got, got in trouble. All I had to say yeah. was elevated. I feared for somebody's safety. I didn't want him to leave the space. But at that time, I was just like, he wasn't walking out while I was standing right there. Instantly got in trouble. Right. <laughs> That's here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> but I seen him assault. A little girl throw him down, throw her down the stairs. He's in eighth, seventh grade, huge seventh grade too. Threw her down the stairs. Threw her down the stairs. The, the kid was off the hook. He grew up. He ended up dropping out of high school, and then 
it's about to sound really crazy, but he was on the news. He killed seven people. Oh my God. When he was 19 years old, this was probably like, I think my oldest, my oldest kids, oh, he like 17. So my oldest kids is like 21 or 22. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's wild. So this, that was my, that was my middle school group. Um, in my first public school. Um, but it just comes, it just, it just said he had immunity. Like nothing, everything yeah. he did was the manifestation of his IEP. Everything he did mm. went absolutely assaulting somebody and causing bodily harm to the same person multiple times doing, you know, that stuff is not manifest, manifestations of IEP. That's, but it was easier to say that when mom had lawyers and advocates and things to just say to point the finger back at the building so the building made made excuses for him to see why this mm -hmm. kid turned yeah. out to be a murderer not saying it could have been it couldn't have been helped but what i'm saying is certain things could have happened that could have prevented him from going in that direction as fast as he did you know, certain things yeah. is, is, is going to happen. Our destinies, you know, I don't think they've written solid, but you know, I don't feel like we got that many branches on the tree. We, we're going to go yeah. one of hmm. a few ways. Yeah. And I, I feel like his things, his, his his destiny had got written in stone when his mom was allowed to bully the school. And I'm sure she did it in high school. And I'm sure hmm. I'm sure once he hit 16, I know he. I, we kept up with the story because he was from the neighborhood. I, I, I was from a neighborhood very close to where they were from, so I knew a lot of the kids from that neighborhood and the older people from that neighborhood. So it was kind of like when all the things transpired on the news and his picture was getting. You know how I go with the old student people sending the picture. You see what's going on. It was kind of mm. like, like. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah and that's just one of the things like the mom really strung up the process the hmm. entire time and she was allowed to do it she was yeah. allowed to do it it was no fail safes in place for a parent and i'm sure it was things that the school could have did but is it worth the hassle do somebody want to lose their job sometimes a spare coordinator can lose their job they ain't that one eye or cross one t when it's clearly, you know, and this is around the time when data started to become the biggest thing, the biggest push for everything. Like, I would say, like, I'm going to say, like, around 2010, 11, everybody mm -hmm. was only focused on the data. When I was in school, mm -hmm. I know they was working with a million suspensions a year and nobody cared. <laughs> but it also adversely affect those kids in a, in a crazy way too that was suspended all the time and they just end up dropping out. Like, I'm not going back to school. I'm going to get suspended. You know, so it's a double-edged sword again, but those parents really, like it's certain parents that are allowed to do, to run them up. And, and they create immunity for kids. They keep their kids in the building when it's unsafe. When that when that kid could have been in a, uh, in a restricted environment where he could have got some real help. Somebody could have really found out something that was going on with him. Who, who could have, who knows, you know, what, what mental illness he could have been dealing from or dealing with that could yeah. have been addressed. That could have been addressed in real time. 
and could have kept him from becoming someone, you know, a neighborhood superstar. Now he now he go down in history for for his neighborhood, but you know, and never see the street again. And the mom lost the son. And regardless, I, I get it, you know, moms and sons and p- parents and their children, but you know, those were somebody else's kids he took off this earth. But yeah. I, I hate to get so dark, but that's no, that's it's the, it's real though. It's head, real. Like, to just see it, to see a kid manifest into something you don't want to see none of your kids turn into. But yeah. No, and we definitely do appreciate that, like, because that, like you said, it, it's real. It, it's dark, but it's the truth. But I really do. I'm curious, like, we always ask every guest that we bring onto the show, if you can kind of just leave us with one word that would just sum up your school, or what would you name your ideal school? So either or, what's, what, what's one word? Family. Family. Yes. I think family is a good representation because I mean, even though families can be a little crazy, if you have a healthy family, it should be nothing you can't say to your family. You know, it got to be how. And I think everything could work if you do things, you know, in a practical way, like in the way that will best work for your community. That's why you do need people from the community. And it's always good to have people with fresh eyes on your community. There's some things I can't see. Like certain, so I got, I have a, I have a, a mentor, he's from North Carolina and I might talk about certain stuff and he's like, why, why you do that? Why you say that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's real. <laughs> that, that's just what we do here. That's, you know, uh, like if people coming from different places don't understand like the neighborhood dynamic, you know, if you come from somewhere that has gangs or it's kind of hard to understand why kids uh, get so. Yeah, they don't get it. Intertwined into neighborhoods when it seems like you don't have to compared to gang life, where mm-hmm. most of them don't have a choice. Yep. Like I've had that question a lot. Like why, why are they in the neighborhood so much when there's really no hierarchy? It's kind of chaotic. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do, and you know, it's good to have you know those type of fresh eyes to have those conversations with kids. Like, you really know you don't have to, even though we may say it, but I understand. So if I say some things like, you don't have to, I, I might not even believe in myself. Like, I get it. You know, I get why you do certain things. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense to me, even though it might be very, um, uh, 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 What's the word for? I'm trying to think of the word too. I get what you're saying uh, though. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be difficult to grasp for people who really just don't understand. Like, yeah. just it's hard to explain or understand. Yeah. Woo. Mr. B, you didn't drop some gems on us today. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I can't wait to come back and listen. I don't think I said nothing. You really don't? Well, sorry, I'm not, I'm going to derail us. No, I think I, I really appreciate your perspective and a lot of things. I felt like you said things that were very, like, use the word earlier, practical. Hmm. Um, and I think what's very unique about this conversation with you is that 
I think so many people are going to be able to connect with it and understand because you may, you said something practical and simple, but then went to further explain it and made it like something that's deeper. And that's really what we're trying to do here in the Formers Pipeline. We try to get non-educators to, to understand that they can also tap into this conversation. Um, you may not think you said nothing, but I thought it was very fruitful and I can't wait to listen back to the episode because I'm definitely about to steal some of the things that you said. So be prepared <laughs> hey go ahead go ahead i take things all the time that's Perfect. that's that's what educators do throw it in your toolbox that's all we do uh-huh. well, well thank you so much for your time we appreciate you and baby boy he gave us a good good couple laughs <laughs> exactly <laughs> we appreciate you and we appreciate you and your family he was he was he was pretty good this time he was i thought he was I, okay I, yeah. exactly agreed yeah. okay he, he did really well the other one didn't come downstairs but <laughs> we won. It's, okay. it's two, but this is the uh this is the one though. So he did good. He he did good. So. Say bye bye. Say bye bye. Bye. Bye, baby. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mr. B. We appreciate you. All right, thank you. All right, bye. This week's call to action, we want you to check in on an educator. Send them some type of appreciation for this crazy ass year. And if you're really feeling like you want to celebrate someone, go ahead and submit a name to our teacher feature survey, which can be found on our link tree. This feature will be posted on our Instagram and will uplift an educator that is doing the work. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Reformist Pipeline. Share our posts, please, y'all. I'll be working hard on that content, all right? <laughs> Send it to the peeps, people you think will be interested or just share. Um, check out the website as well at thereformancepipeline.com. And if you have any feedback, positive thoughts, or desire to be featured on our show or know somebody that you think should be featured and you want us to reach out to them, please go to the website, provide that information, or email us at thereformancepipeline at gmail.com. And with that, beloved people, my thadies and gentlemen, Advocates, we are truly grateful for your support and we look forward to continuing the discussion about our ideal school in our last episode for the semester in two weeks. So, holla at you soon. Peace, love, and light. Hootie, hootie.